Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. Tonight, I want to talk to us about, I've titled this sermon, Gear Up. Gear Up. Have you ever turned up to somewhere without having the appropriate gear that you need to get the job done? See, Ephesians 6 verse 11, 12 says, Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against strategies of the devil. Which means the devil does have strategies. He has strategies to take you out. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You see, for many of us, we've had situations that have caused us frustration. We've had situations that have caused us pain. We've had situations where people have done things that let us down. And, and, and we take, you know, we get hurt by that. And we sometimes we even carry the offences that are caused from that. And the thing is, we end up lashing out at the person. We end up fighting against the person that's done wrong. Or we get angry at the situation that has taken place that has caused us to be where we're at. That we miss the fact that there's actually an enemy who's trying to take us out. We get, we get angry at the situation, we get offended at the person, we hold resentment, but Paul says that our fight isn't against flesh and blood. But yet, why is it that we make everything about the physical things that happen in our life? The struggles, the challenges that get thrown our way that occurs in life, it is because we're in a wrestling match. There's an enemy that is waging an invisible war against us to take us out. There's a very real enemy, his name is the devil, and he wants to remove you from the God call that is upon your life. You see, Ephesians 1 verse 18 to 20, it says this. This is Paul, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people. That's you and I, who are rich and glorious in his inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. The incredible great power, not for some of you who believe, for all of us who believe in Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Come on, that is the inheritance that God is calling and He's right there for you to take. And He's saying, son or daughter, will you take it? Tonight, will you take the inheritance that God's called you to live a victorious life, to live a powerful life, to live an impactful life, to live a life that would not only see your life change, but the lives around you changed in Jesus' name? It's interesting, Paul's not asking that the believers would receive the awesome blessing, power and authority that God has given us. Paul's prayer actually says this, that we would realise what we have at our disposal. He's not asking, God, I ask and pray that you would, maybe if you could give it to some of these guys. I know some of them, you know, their, their, their naughty list is pretty big, God. You know, maybe Chris, I don't know if we should give it to him, but you know, we could probably give it to Valentina. You know, and, and, you know, no, no, no. He's not asking if, it's already there. He's asking that we would realize the incredible greatness of God's inheritance that is there for every one of us. Why? To fully equip us, to gear us up, so that we could walk a victorious life in Jesus' name. Ephesians 6, verse 13 to 17. Therefore, 
put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the devil. Then, after the battle, you will still stand firm. What does it say? It says put on the armour and then you can resist the devil. In other words, how often do we wake up in the morning we don't gear up with the armour of God and then we end up living a defeated life and we wonder why? Because we've got, forgot to gear up to equip ourselves with what we need to be able to walk a life of victory that God has called us to. So that when trial comes, so that when the devil comes at us, it's not saying that he won't, it says that he will, but when he does that, we will be able to stand firm. That we'll be able to stand your ground by putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows that the devil will throw at you. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the next verse actually goes on and says, there's one more thing that we need to do. It says, pray continually. We put on the armor of God, but then we forget the prayer part. Man, prayer is so crucial. We talked about that in January. So, I want to just go through some of these bits. I might not get through it all, but I want to talk about the belt of truth. The first couple I want to just sit on just for a little bit because I think that they're really important. It's interesting that the first thing that Paul mentions is the belt of truth. The belt is the least flashy part of the armour. That is the part that probably nobody looks at. Oh, cool, you're a Roman. I noticed you're a Roman soldier because you had a belt on. Mm-hmm. Your belt was pretty awesome. I do not want to fight you because of your belt. No, no. You would think that the first thing they would talk about would be something like the, the sword or the shield or, you know, one of these cool-looking bits of armor. But no, he talks about the belt. It's interesting. And he calls it the belt of truth. You see, Truth is the thing that holds everything together in the midst of battle. If we cannot walk and stand in the truth of God in the midst of battle, then everything will crumble. If you don't know the truth about who God's called you to, you don't know the truth of what the Word of God says about you, when trouble comes, you will get swayed from the left to the right because you have no idea what the truth is. That's why it is mentioned first, because it is important and crucial that we gird ourselves with the truth of God. Truth is our foundation when everything else is falling apart. Truth has to be the standard by which reality is measured. We can't measure reality by how we feel, by what the world around us would say, by what social media would say, by what the media says, by what our bank balance says. We need to measure our life on the reality of what truth and the standard of truth says. And how do we know that standard? By the Word of God. So if truth is not the foundation of our life, then how can we live a successful life in the life that God has called us to? John 8 verse 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will what? It'll set you free. Hang on a minute. Isn't the sword or the shield or something like that the thing that will set me free? No, no, the belt of truth will set you free. How much do we know the truth about who God has called you to? You see, the battle that we often face is in the area of, the tr- of truth and the, greatest, the enemy's greatest strategy is in the area of deception. He wants to deceive you at all costs. 
He'll deceive you around your circumstances. He'll deceive you around what culture says is normal. He'll deceive you even about who God has called you to be and what God says about you. God will say that you're a son, you're a child of God. You will be lifting your hands in the midst of worship. God will speak to you. You'll have an awesome God encounter. And then you walk out these doors. Then what happens? All of a sudden, the enemy starts deceiving you. All of a sudden, the lies of the enemy starts bombarding you with all of these thoughts about, now that's not even real. That's just also all about hype. No, no, God's not about hype. God's presence is very real. And when you enter into this place, it's not hype. It's the presence of God that is here that can change your life. But you see, the problem is, is we walk out, we allow the enemy to deceive us and we don't see lifelong change because we have to remain in that place of truth about who God has called us to. Truth has to be measured on the Word of God. We need a standard outside of ourselves that we can look at to determine if you're being deceived by the devil which needs to be what God says through His Word. You have to have an external, something external that you can determine whether or not the enemy is deceiving you. So if you don't know your Word, if you're not in church, then you'll get deceived all the time, time after again, time and time and time again, because all you've got to go on is your feelings. Unless we really know what is true, then we will fall to deception every time. When the foundation of truth in our life, sorry, when the foundation of truth is in our life, then we can adjust our life when the enemy comes at us. When the foundation of truth is there, the moment that a feeling crops up or a thought crops up, we can say, hang on a minute, what does the Word of God say about this? No, no, I know this feeling's not right. You see, you can align it with what the Word of God says. You can align it and you can save yourself from being deceived time and time again because your life's foundation is in truth and the truth of God. So when he speaks, you can say, okay, I need to just adjust this a little bit and then you can continue to walk on the path. Hang on a minute, does this thought line up with the Word of God? No, it doesn't. Okay, I'm gonna throw this thought out. I'm gonna choose not to think about it. Does this thought line up with what the Word of God says? It does? Awesome, I'm gonna go all in on that thought then. What about the breastplate of righteousness? It's interesting that the breastplate, the armour was... uh, 70 pounds, so I think it's 30 odd kgs or something that the total armor weighed of a Roman soldier. And yet the most of that weight says was in its breastplate. Why? Because it was protecting one of the most critical part of your body, your heart. You see one blow to your heart and you'll get taken out. That's why the breastplate was so important and crucial that it could withstand the blows that would come at you and so you could remain. So you could keep standing. The breastplate of righteousness. Unrighteousness creates the opportunity that asks the devil to come into our life. When we wanna live an unrighteous life, when we wanna live a life where we might, yeah, but Steve, I come to church and lift my hands. Yeah, but what does the rest of your week look like? Because this is just one aspect of who you are. How you leave this place and what you do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That is also a determining factor of how you live your life. If we live a life that is full of unrighteousness, which is becoming more easier as time goes on, becomes easier and easier to live unrighteously, but yet turn up to church and just lift our hands. When we have a standard in our life, it gives the enemy room to take a hold of your life. When we say no to the things of God and yes to the things of the enemy, then we allow him access into our life and we wonder why we continue to get to get, get, to get pressure coming at us all angles. Why? Because we live an unrighteous life. 
Righteousness is not perfection because none of us are perfect. But righteousness is that is, is uh, being able to come into our, when we come to that relationship with Jesus, that we would turn away from our sins and allow Him to transform us. That is righteousness. You see, righteousness is the standard that pleases God. And we should have that desire to live a righteous life, to live a life after the things of God, that we would know what He wants and that we would love what He loves and that we would do all that we can to allow our lives to be consumed with that in Jesus' Name. That we would live a life that would bring honour to His Name. You see, when we make a mistake, that's okay because we will all do it. But the question is, is do we keep short accounts with God? When you fall, when you sin, when you make a mistake, keep a short account with God. Repent quickly. Repent and ask God for you to forgive you and then get up again. God, I've fallen short. God, I've made a mistake. God, I pray that you would forgive me in Jesus' name. But you know what? The true representation of repentance is often misunderstood. We think repentance is simply admitting that we sin and asking for God's forgiveness. Yes, that is a part of it. But it's not the only part. And this is the part we often forget. In Greek, the word repentance means to turn away from sin. So true repentance is actually saying, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've mucked up. And Lord God, I ask for you to forgive me. Now I help me to turn away from the sin. A lot of us will say sorry and repent and then go back to it the next day. That is not true repentance. That will not allow you to walk in the freedom that God has called you to walk into. Yep, there are things that there, and we might stuff up again, you know, and we might make the mistake again. There's addictions in our life that cause us to stumble time and time again. But come on, we've got to put the steps and the keys in place that would enable us to be able to walk completely free. And you know what often it is? It's a heart check. If you say sorry to God, but you know that you have the intention of going straight back there, then that's not true repentance. If you say sorry to God and in your heart you say, God, I actually, I truly wanna let this go. I truly wanna turn from this. And you go to someone, you get accountability, you put the steps in place and you say, okay, God, I'm doing all I can, but now God, I need you to come and meet me right where I'm at with the power of Jesus that can ultimately be the only thing that can set me free. And God, I choose to turn away from it. Then if you fall over again, get back up again, ask and forgive you. Put those steps back in place and go again. Come on, I, I believe we need to, church that would know what true repentance is in Jesus' names. Come on, God's grace isn't the reason to keep living an unrighteous life, but it's the means to walk in freedom and to walk in His righteousness in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For God made Christ, whoever sinned, to be, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Psalms 5 verse 12 says, For you are blessed for, hang on, for you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Come on, God blesses the godly. God blesses those who choose to live for Him and walk a righteous life in Jesus' name. Real quick, one more. The shoes of peace. It's funny, the shoes of peace is actually defensive and it's offensive. You see, when the enemy comes at you and he's attacking you, then what we need to do, we need to take the defensive stance. And when you say, come on, devil, you can try and knock me over, but I'm taking the defensive start, the legs wide apart. Come on, we need to dig the shoes of peace straight into the ground. We need to dig them deep so that when the enemy comes, he's not gonna knock us over. 
Why? Because we know the peace of God is the thing that surrounds and covers our life, that we can stand and stand solid and stand strong and take that defensive position. Why? Because we, our foundation is in the peace of God, knowing that God will work all things out for the good, for those who love Him according to His plan for your life. That's a defensive stance. The offensive stance is, is that we would choose to walk, that we wouldn't just stand still. Come on, when the enemy's coming at you, take the defensive stance so you can withstand what comes and then get up and start to move within the shoes of peace and start to tell people about Jesus. Come on, take the gospel into a generation, into your spheres of influence. Be ready and armed with the right things to say when the opportunity approaches. When someone asks you, don't be dumbfounded because you've never thought of what you're going to say. Why do you, why do you go to church? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, think about it so you're prepared because somebody will ask you, right? Shoes of peace. Take the defensive stance and then move on the offensive. Bring the peace of God into your life, into situations around, the, around you, telling people about Jesus. Come on, we stand. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.